live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 5. Hello once more, and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 5. By now you know how the show works. Last season, we took a look at some of the most famous cases in the paranormal. And as we alternate into the next season, we of course revert back to your paranormal experiences. And we of course begin with today's season premiere where we follow a father and son duo trying to make a better life for themselves. Until the dark paranormal gets in their way. If you're new to the show, the title may give it away. But here on the dark paranormal, we only look at true, terrifying paranormal experiences. If you're looking for tales of hope and happy endings from a paranormal podcast, this probably isn't for you. We don't shy away from the fact that this podcast should make you scared. It should make you question your beliefs. It should make you realise that that noise upstairs perhaps isn't the wind. But before we dive headlong into these true paranormal experiences, I need to say thank you to everybody who supplied the stories for this season. And they've done so by emailing our email address thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. It goes without saying that if you have a true paranormal experience that you think would warrant the dark paranormal treatment, send it into that email address, thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. And of course, this show simply wouldn't exist without our wonderful supporters over at Patreon. When you join our Patreon team, not only do you get these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you also receive a weekly Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites, each and every week, even on the downtime between seasons. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal, just like these wonderful people have done. Dennis Popowicz, Gregory Aquillo, Linda Beeman, Emma B., Jesse Pinay, Vandara Som, Darren Mullen, Leslie Ann Johnson, Melanie Levers, Brooke Key, Evan Barber, Lindsay Ramirez, Sophia Gonzalez, Amber Malone, Amanda Lynn, Rebecca Green, Mandy, Ryan Hoskin, Brian Faulkner, Paul McDermott, Jackie Swatsky, Shane Martorell, and Peter Polyon. Thank you so much, guys, and I hope you're enjoying the extra Patreon content. You can definitely tell when there's been a break in seasons, so if you'd like to see what those guys are going to get, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And now... Although it's only been a few weeks, I've really missed saying these next words. Let's lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door as we take a trip to the Devil's Lake. My wife wasn't happy when I initially told her I was planning on quitting my shop-fitting job of 20 years to go and work for myself as a handyman. We had three kids, a mortgage, and we were actually comfortably well off when I come home from work one day and told her that I'd given my notice at work. 
The final straw came when my so-called boss refused a day's holiday when I wanted to see my eldest, Andrew, who was 16 at the time, go and play a trial at the local football club. I'd known a few lads who'd started up on their own, and they were forever telling me it was the best move they'd ever made. I had the experience, and we had some savings as a safety net, and I was ready to challenge myself for the first time in a long time. But, as I say, the wife wasn't all too impressed with my newfound ambition. But it was with confidence the following week that I sent off all the relevant tax paperwork and started my new business officially. Adverts went out in the local newspaper and I placed some on local notice boards too. This was the mid-90s and the internet was in its infancy. Well, certainly in our area anyway. So I had to rely on old-fashioned methods of reaching people. No job too big, no task too small emblazoned in giant letters on the front, followed by some bullet points of what I had expertise in. Plastering, painting, some electrical work, carpentry, that type of thing. Yes, it was with a spring in my step that I delivered these leaflets, and then sat patiently waiting for the phone to ring. And waiting. And waiting. Two weeks went by, and not once did that phone ring. Now, although my wife was anxious about me starting out by myself, that doesn't mean she wasn't supportive, and she would say all of the right things to keep my spirits up, saying things will look up soon, and that she was proud I'd taken this chance. But I couldn't help but think I'd overshot myself, and that we'd be eating into those savings much sooner than I was expecting just to stay afloat. I'd really like to have taken the kids on holiday that year, and we'd gotten as far as browsing, but it became clear I wasn't going to be run off my feet, so those holiday plans were soon shelved. My wife, clearly worrying much more than she let on, must have been talking to her friends about our predicament, because one day she came home with a piece of paper with a name and a number on it. She said a girl in work had an aunt and uncle who'd bought an old cottage in North Wales and were thinking of having decking put around the back and wanted to get a few quotes. Immediately, this was something I knew I could do, so I picked up the phone and rang the number. The woman was named Edna and she seemed a lovely lady in her later life. She told me the figures she'd already been quoted and I knew I could not only beat her current estimates but beat them by a country mile. I called round a few timber yards and called her back straight away offering to do the full job for £200 less than her previous best offer. She asked if there was some way that she could see any of my previous handiwork and my heart sank I didn't have a website or even photographs of anything I'd previously done in my old job. So I explained to her I was just starting out and that she would be my first client. But I could sense I was losing her. So I quickly spluttered, Listen, for the same price, if you have anything in the house that needs fixing up or retouching, I'd be happy to do that too. 
Think of it like a full MOT service like you would for your car, but for your cottage. I heard her in the background repeat this to her husband, Derek. And then she came back on the phone. Well, we do have the odd creaky floorboard and a few ill-fitting doors that could do with looking at. No problem, I replied confidently. Edna got her husband's agreement and we struck a deal there and then. I was over the moon. Edna gave me the address and explained that they would be away whilst the work was being done to see family and that I was more than welcome to stay in the cottage whilst the work was being complete, which I estimated would take around four days. Now, I'd planned on bringing my eldest lad Andrew with me anyway, as getting decking right at speed is at least a two-man job. Plus, it would give him some money in time for Christmas. But when I checked the map and the exact address, I decided we could also treat it as a dad and lad mini-break too. The cottage was in North Wales, just outside of a little village in the Snowdonia National Park, and there seemed to be lakes dotted around the scenic area. We hadn't been fishing together since he was a young boy, but I still had the rods in the garage, and decided that that's what we'd do. We'd work during the day and fish in the evening. Yes, this was going to be a memorable father and son trip. And it was just not for the reasons I had hoped. There is a particular route into North Wales that feels like the entire countryside is welcoming you. Nothing but hills and mountains as far as the eye can see. It embraces you the further you drive through, leaving the cities, the bills, the hustle and bustle all behind. And it was this route that we took... Myself and Andrew. Around an hour after this breathtaking welcome, we reached the end of a small track, and just off to the side was the cottage. Getting out, we both took a deep breath. Listen to that, Dad, said Andrew with a smile. Total, utter silence. In the city, you don't get this type of silence. It was occasionally broken up by a distant sheep barring, but other than that, total, utter, quiet. Looking back, I now realise there maybe should have been, well, some noise. Birds, maybe. A breeze at the very least. But no. Looking back, this was, fittingly, a dead zone. Unaware this may well have been our first red flag of the trip, Andrew and I began unpacking our things, and once we placed all of our personal belongings inside, I drove the van around to the back of the property and took off the tarpaulin at the back, making sure all of the timber survived the journey too, and thankfully it had. I fixed the torp and went back inside. Coffee, son? I asked as I entered the kitchen. Andy nodded. He was busy reading the guest book. Apparently they would let the property out over the summer. I could see he started to thumb one of the blank pages at the side. What are you doing? I asked as the kettle boiled. Do you have a pencil, Dad? He said. Well, I always keep one in my top pocket, so I threw it over to him. Don't write anything in there, son. We're not guests. We're working. 
I thought he was trying to be a funny arse in truth. No, I'm not. Look, he said, holding up the book. This page has been ripped out. This side are all lovely comments, nice house, lovely stay, etc. But this side has been torn out. I bet you it was a bad review and they don't want anyone to see it. But I can see where it's been pressed down on the sheet underneath. So I reckon we could see what it said. He smiled mischievously. Andy scribbled with the side of the pencil. And then his face changed. Uh, Dad? He turned around the page. The first line was in block capitals. Why would you rent this? The following lines were less clear. Only the odd phrase coming through. Awful. Figure by bed. Followed home after walk. No sleep. Never again. And the last word we could make out. Demons. Andrew smiled an excited grin. It's haunted, he said with a nervous laugh. I shook my head and smiled back. Don't be daft, it's probably... We froze as a door from upstairs creaked open. Andy's face turned instantly to fear. Relax, I said. They said the doors don't fit right. I went upstairs to find the guilty door. I could hear Andy close behind, not wanting to be left downstairs alone. The doors were all shut, which was the first thing to unsettle me. I turned to Andy. Let's open them one by one and we'll see which one. Andy wasn't behind me. Andrew, I shouted. What? came his voice. From downstairs. What had followed me upstairs? I've no idea. It doesn't matter, I shouted back down. Composing myself, I returned to the kitchen. Right, um, let's make a start then. The work was hard, but we were making good progress by the end of day one. The main foundations had been laid and we were cutting all the wood to size. After cleaning up, we grabbed the rods and headed down to the nearby lake. It was only around a 15-minute walk across open fields and we managed to get set up just before the sun went down. Headlamps on, I set up a portable stove to make some tea and we turned a small radio on to try and find the football match. Half an hour later and we were both settled and listening to the match, staring out at the peaceful lake for any signs of our lines being pulled. Father and son enjoying much-needed quality time together. And that's when it happened. The radio turned itself off. Ah, we were just on the attack too, moaned Andy. But just as I went to reply, the lights on our headlamps both went out at exactly the same time. Shit, I mumbled. I can't see a bloody thing here. Shh, look over the lake, whispered Andy. I looked across. What? I whispered back. Shh, watch, he replied. I looked, but all I could see was the silhouette of a small group of trees on the other side of the lake. And then one of them moved to the right. Who are they? whispered Andy. This time I shushed him. 
A threatening feeling seemed to descend on both of us as we watched on. And then there came the strangest sound I'd ever heard. It sounds like when you throw a pebble across a frozen lake. An echoey clacking sound that came from the direction of the silhouetted group and stopped just a few feet in front of us in the water. I looked back towards the direction we came from and could see a light on in the cottage in the distance. Okay, let's head back quietly. We'll leave all of this here and we'll get it tomorrow. Come on. We both stood slowly. But as we did, the radio blurred out static into the sky. I turned it off and simultaneously our two headlights came back to life. We quickly gathered our things and quick paced our way back to the cottage. That night, we both slept on the floor of the back bedroom. It was a small room, but it meant we could heat it up quicker. Also, being close to each other was a real plus, given our experience at the lake. I woke twice in the night. Both times I was convinced that the strange clacking sound was in the back garden. Each time I woke, Andy was well away, so I chalked it up to being in a semi-dream state and dropped back off. The next morning, as we set up for the day, Andy said, How did you sleep, Dad? I said, I woke a couple of times, but other than that, I slept okay. He said, I didn't. I kept thinking that I heard that sound from the lake. My heart beated loudly in my chest. Oh, that'll just be because it's on your mind, I reassured him although I was starting to believe differently myself. The strange thing was, and this is something I've never been able to really figure out, that second day, the cottage seemed, well, angry. I know it sounds stupid to describe an inanimate object with a human emotion, but that's the most accurate description that I can give. The whole place felt angry with us what does innovation sound like it sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer client or patient it sounds like having the right information right when you need it it sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business thanks to highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better whatever that thing is now who doesn't like the sound of that Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. It's a strange sensation to have a feeling you're being scornfully looked at whilst you work. But even more so when that hatred being directed at you is by bricks and mortar. Throughout the day as we worked, I kept thinking I could see people, shadows, shadows in the windows, just flitting out of the way when I turned my head to look. Andy seemed nonplussed by the whole thing, which I took to mean I was doing a good job of hiding my own fear. That night, we made a decision we would skip the lake and have an early night both of us claiming the weather seemed worse than the night before, and both of us hoping the other would agree. 
which we did. That evening, we sat in the kitchen and played cards and drank the beers I'd brought down for the trip. We had a really good laugh and I almost forgot about the strange 24 hours prior. Almost forgot. The strangeness decided to remind us in the most frightening of ways. Earlier that morning, I'd taken the bathroom door off from upstairs and had planed the bottom of it as I could see it was uneven. In truth, spotting this made me rationalise the door creak that we'd heard the day before. Once the door was planed, I lay it on the landing floor to refit before we left. So back to the evening. I crack my next beer open and begin dealing the next hand of... We just heard a crash and ran into the living room to investigate. And there, at the foot of the staircase, was the now broken in two bathroom door. It had been thrown down the stairs. I told Andy it must have slipped from where I placed it, but no. This must have been thrown down the stairs. As where I had lain it, it would have had to traverse a 45 degree angle to work its way down past the banister. The shock of this had my mind wearing, and my first reaction was to instantly explain it away for my son's sake. But as my son began calmly picking up the pieces of wood, a very rational fear hit me. What if there were people inside this house? People that meant us harm. I needed to check. Of course I did. But I needed to do so calmly so as not to spook my son. I'll just nip the loose, son, I said, carefully hiding my hammer to my side as I went up the stairs, should I need to protect myself. Here's where we get to the most troubling part of my experience. This next part is not from my memory of the incident, as I have no recollection of it. But this is according to Andy. Andy watched me go upstairs and began moving the shards of wood from the foot of the stairs into the kitchen. Back and forth he went, until the bulk had been done. But I still hadn't returned from upstairs. Dad? He shouted up. No reply. He stepped up a few steps and shouted again. Dad? This time he said he saw my legs walk into the front bedroom. He jogged up the stairs and was about to head into the front bedroom when something caught his eye in the back bedroom. Me. He said I was staring out of the back bedroom window down into the garden. I thought I saw you go into the front room, he said, approaching me. However, I didn't reply. I just continued to stare out of the window. Andrew says he then approached me from behind and looked over my shoulder through the window. And there, slap bang in the centre of the back garden, was a white goat, sat on its back legs like a cat, staring back up at me through the window. Andy said he was terrified. I was non-responsive and he started panicking. He led me by the hand to a chair in the room and sat me down, quickly patting my cheek to try and snap me out of it. A crashing sound came from the front bedroom, and now, getting agitated, Andy grabbed my shoulders and shook me violently. Now, I recall coming to and looking up at Andy. I recall saying, What happened, son? 
but my question made him back away, almost in fear. Son, what happened? I repeated, but he was repelling away, terrified, which in turn made me totally freak out. Was my face damaged? Had I been in an accident? Finally, I shouted, Andrew, what's wrong? To this, he ran to me and hugged me, crying uncontrollably. When I found out what caused his panic, I was just as bewildered as I still am right now telling you this tale. Because, according to Andy, when I came to and asked what was happening, I was speaking in what sounded to him as the Welsh language. When I repeated the question, again, he swears that I asked him in another language, which he is convinced was Welsh. Finally, when I shouted, he heard me shout in English, my own tongue, which was when he broke down. I should state for reference, I have zero knowledge of the Welsh language. We embraced for what felt like an age whilst he sobbed into my shoulder. Our collective panic seemed to throb as one. Something hit the wall inside the front room, causing us both to jump in unison. It's funny how you revert to father and child mode irrelevant of age in heart-stopping situations. Because I grabbed Andrew's hand and led him out onto the landing. I could tell by how tight he gripped my hand, 16 or not, that he was thankful I was leading the way, albeit with zero confidence. We stopped on the landing and I peeked my head into the front room. One of my hammers had smashed into the plaster of the wall and was embedded in the wall. I just thought, if this can throw a hammer, it could actually kill us. Enough was enough. We ran outside to the van and headed off to a nearby hotel for the night. We didn't speak for the remainder of the evening whilst our separate heads tried to work through exactly what had went on. As I lay in bed that night, I just kept thinking about how I really needed this job to go well. How this one piece of work could literally make or break me. The next morning, I decided we would start early. I would fix the hole in the wall and we would work through until the job was completed. Even if we worked until midnight. Because one thing was for sure, we wasn't spending a single extra night in that cottage. We arrived shortly after the sun came up. The house, and again, I have no better way to describe this. The house felt like it was caught by surprise that we'd returned. I know how that sounds, but that's the only way I can describe the vibe that was coming from it. Andy immediately started work around the back whilst I went upstairs to fix the hole in the wall. None of this made sense, so I shouldn't have been surprised when the hole in the wall was much smaller than the head of the hammer, which was stuck in it only a few hours earlier. We worked like there was no tomorrow. Well, for this job, there literally wasn't. Soon the sun started to fall, but thankfully we were almost finished up. As we packed the last of the things into the van and locked the cottage up, the night finally drew in. Shit, I said as I realised I'd left a set of screwdrivers in the back bedroom. But I stood and weighed everything up. They can bloody have them, I said, 
deciding the risk of things kicking off again just wasn't worth chancing. The final thing we witnessed is something I've heard about, but can now categorically say there is something in it. Mirrors. As we pulled out of that drive, we stopped to turn left. Andy grabbed my hand. Look at that. He pointed at the rearview mirror, and in that mirror, we could see the bottom windows of the cottage, and there appeared to be fireflies. Electric blue fireflies, flying around the living room. I jumped out of the van, but the living room was in darkness. They've gone, son, I shouted back to Andy as I headed back to the van. Um, no, they haven't, he said, pointing back at the mirror. And sure enough, as I stood with one foot in the van, whilst I glanced back and forth from the mirror to the window, the electric moving lights, for some reason, were only in the rearview mirror. We're leaving, I said, and I jumped in the van, and we finally headed home. My screwdrivers were sent back to me by courier, along with a note attached. You forgot these? Great job. Told all our friends about you too. And a smiley face. And I'm glad to say that one good thing did come from this. I did get more work. My reputation spread and I'm now reaching retirement age, having run the business successfully ever since. Now, I've researched that area and stumbled upon something both terrifying and relevant to my experience. According to legend, there was a town there which had a well. A man would guard the well to ensure a group of local witches, who were thought to be led by the devil himself, did not disturb the water of the townsfolk. However, one day, the witches managed to trick the man to go to a different area and guard a mirage of a well, leaving the actual well at the mercy of of the devil. The next morning, as the sun rose, the town and all of its inhabitants had disappeared. The devil had bewitched the water to rise from the well and flood the town, drowning all of the inhabitants and creating the very lake we sat fishing at that night. Of course, that's all just a legend. For some people, at least. Wales is one of the most mysterious places in the UK, if not the world. It harbours legends and myth and folklore like no other place I know. So it would come as no surprise to me that some ancient buried evil was still lurking about in some of the darker places. As you may have guessed, names were changed within that story to protect the submitter's identity, at their request. Also, the location was changed too, although only slightly. The writer was okay with me letting you know this happened around the area of the Snowdonia National Park. And I want to thank them for submitting such a great and terrifying story for our premiere episode of Season 5. To our Patreons, I will speak to you on Sunday for the next Dark Bites episode. And for all of our wonderful listeners, remember, when you discuss the paranormal, always leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week 
on the dark paranormal. <laughs>